When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey Geekscapists, welcome to a brand new Geekscape episode. We're back in the Westwood One studios, and if this is your first Geekscape, we're going to be talking a little bit of movies, video games, and comics, and I say that every week. I'm Jonathan London, your host, and the truth is, really, we're just going to be talking about storytelling, which I think is what I should start introing Geekscape as. As we've gone on through the years, this definitely started out as, what did we watch, read, or or play this weekend? And it was very much a review podcast, but I think over the last few years... Um, we've progressed into a storytelling podcast where I like to talk to storytellers. I like to talk to creators. I like to talk to people with creative minds who like to put their voices out there and share them with you. And you may or may not know them, which is awesome because I like to introduce you to people. And maybe you're a fan of theirs and this is your first Geekscape. So strap up and buckle in, I think is the term if you're in. Uh, quick shout out. Again, to Silver Spring, Maryland, where we have the highest concentration of listeners, according to our analytics. Uh, and I have yet to hear from anybody at Silver Spring, Mar- from Silver Spring, Maryland. Um, and uh, and I, but I still love you. Uh, if you're in Silver Spring and um, want to reach out, I'm Jonathan at Geekscape.net, and uh, and I think you should reach out because I was talking to the folks here at Westwood One, and maybe I should come to Silver Spring and do a special episode. For all of you. Um, the other talk is that our good friends at the Horror Movie Night podcast that's in the Geekscape Network went down to Monster Mania this past weekend and had a booth and had a big celebration. And their pictures were awesome. I talked the previous week about Emerald City Comic Con going on and how Derek and Mika, uh, if you guys aren't following Geekscape Forever on Instagram, they put up so many awesome cosplays and they're still putting them on. So... Uh, if you want to see some cool photos from Emerald City Comic Con, uh, please go and subscribe to that Instagram because Derek is really killing it. There's just too much going on. We had Monster Mania this past weekend for the Horror Movie Night folks. If you're a horror fan, that's a great podcast. And then um, South by Southwest is going on. So I can't stay on top of it. I started Geekscape. It turned into this crazy virus of everybody wanting to make their their stuff and me housing it and we have reviews i think on from south by southwest up on the website and i can't keep track of it but just know that we did this for you <laughs> okay <laughs> geekscape is your community geek show and that's what you guys have called it and that's what it's for so let's keep spreading the love keep spreading the community and the positivity and um, let's meet our guests this week. Uh, I'm sitting across from the amazing Jenny Lorenzo, who I've been a huge fan of since before meeting her in person, 
because as a Mexican-American boy, there's always like this, I don't know, you grow up and you kind of want voices that reflect yours. Um, and, uh, and there hasn't been a lot until recently. And I, I think I discovered Jenny through her Abuelita videos, um, which she's famous for, but she's a Cuban American, grew up in Miami. Am I saying this right? And, um, she's won all sorts of awards. And most recently, like she got to hang out with Elizabeth Banks and go to the YouTube space and be a part of a, of a field of just 12 filmmakers who are comedians who got to learn under Elizabeth Banks, who's, where is she on the Jonathan Crushes list? Well, she's a fellow Pettingrad, so I like that. Um, she's awesome. She did a kick-ass job with, uh, she's just awesome. And plus she played Betty Brant in the Spider-Man movie. So I'm rambling now, but we'll talk to Jenny about it right now. Miss Jenny Lorenzo, how are you? I am great. <laughs> How is that for a rambling Still intro? Still waking up. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. I like doing the show in the mornings because it makes me feel like I'm doing radio. Yes. It's like, hi, your morning drive. I don't know if Geekscape <laughs> has ever listened to this on their morning drive, but that's when I listen to podcasts is when I'm driving around. It, it's true. That's when I do most of my, you know, listening. What do you listen? Do you listen to podcasts or do you listen to Spotify or music or what I'm, do you listen well, I'm trying to get more into podcasts, to be honest. I think music is more my thing, mm-hmm. but I've been hearing of all sorts of fantastic podcasts, this one included, and it's just inspiring me to give it more of a shot. It's fun for connection. I think for me, it's like yeah. it's like connection is what I want. I just listened to one that the LA Times created that my friend Ed McGinty recommended to me because I teach a podcasting class at Columbia College of Hollywood. And he said, you got to show this podcast to your class. And it's called Dirty John. Have you heard of this thing? No. It's the LA and Geekscape. I can't recommend it enough. Uh, the first six episodes with a live theater wrap up episode for the seventh. It's seven podcast episodes. And the, the LA Times uh, did it. And it's about um, a woman who lives down here in Newport Beach. And she's a wealthy woman. She's got She's had some failed marriages. But now she's really... Uh, made a living for herself um, with interior design and she's still dating and she meets this guy who just seems too good to be true. (laughs) And it is, if any of you want to, if you, any of you are fans of cereal, which is definitely recommended. Yeah. um, Those kind of true crime podcasts, listen to this one. It's called dirty John. And I recommend it to you, Jenny, because uh, I'm, I was hooked on it. I got Heidi hooked on it. And it's like when you meet those people who are just too good to be true, the story just starts to unravel from there. And you're, I mean, I was glued to it. I would love to voice act for those. There are, yeah. Well, this one is, this one wasn't narrative. This one was, oh. this was a, no, like serial. Those are, those are, uh, investigative reporting. This is this really happened. Oh, these are real. Okay. These are real. So they're so, not like radio plays. No, it, it, it pod, uh, where did I go? I went to a podcast convention. They said that the two hottest trends in podcasting are horror mm. and true crime, like real life true crime, and like 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 making of a murder on. Uh, oh yeah, on, everyone watched on Netflix. It. Did you watch it? Yeah, I watched some of it. So, <laughs> so I would recommend to you since you like that kind of stuff, something like Serial, which was about an early two thousands uh, disappearance and murder. Mm. And then this one, dirty John about a guy who seems too good to be true. And I actually mm. liked this one more than serial. I was pretty riveted. And what's it called again? Dirty John. I need to check that out. Cause that does sound like something. See, that's something I'd be more interested in. Uh, 
And I would like to try to find things that are about supernatural elements. Well, uh, the one that I love, and I think half the audience just yelled it, is Lore. Mm. Um, Lore is a super popular podcast. They actually adapted it into an Amazon show. No wonder it sounds familiar. And in in every uh, – I actually met the host at, at the same podcast movement um, event in August. And Lore is basically uh, Andy narrating every episode uh, the basis of a folklore, right? Like mm-hmm. vampirism. Like we think of vampirism. But where did vampirism start? Mm-hmm. Because – we all know vampires don't really exist. <laughs> what is the basis of the what were the what were the events in real world in real world events that led to the belief in vampirism? What were the real world events that led to the belief in werewolves? Or I love that. Will of the Wisps or you know druids and this and that like yeah. so, I mean it's folklore Ooh. brought back to its basic level. So he's doing a lot of research into um you know, uh, he's doing research that goes back hundreds, maybe thousands of years to see in written history where was the first occurrences of these things, mm-hmm. and then how did they turn themselves into the what we thought thing in modern day about these creatures? It's pretty awesome. It's called lore. It sounds freaking awesome. You'll love lore. <laughs> You'll you will love lore. I think there are forty to fifty, maybe more episodes going on, and that what? that podcast blew up almost yeah. immediately. So there's my recommendation for you. Thank you. I think you're going to be listening to that on your drive back. I probably will, to be honest. <laughs> it's a long drive. Uh, I mean, long journey. But, but as a storyteller, like, talk about, like, what you were, like, to tell me, like, brothers and sisters growing up in Miami, like, I mean, I can only have my own frame of reference as a Mexican-American, like, mm-hmm. Hispanic. Like, I, I got my storytelling from my dad and my mom, painter, writer. Everything else makes sense. Like, where did you get? Like, what kind of family did you grow up in? Big, small? It's actually a small family. For being a Cuban family, it's small. <laughs> right. I mean, my grandparents, um, particularly, I was closest to the my grandparents on my mom's side, as they were a second set of parents for me. They also had a big hand in raising me, and so they came from huge families. My grandfather was one of like eight. Like, he was the only boy out of eight sisters. My grandma was one of like 14 or something. And and then that was in Cuba or in, in Cuba. Miami? How long has your family been in Miami? Uh, since the 60s. Okay. Since the early 60s. But then um, my my dad has only one brother. My mom has only one brother. Hmm. So it's all of, female. No. Uh, or no, no. Oh, oh you, you, your grandparents had big families. Your parents didn't. Yes, know. exactly. My grandparents only, like on my mom's side, only had my aunt and uncle. My, right. my uncle and my mom. And uh, so it's starting to tighten the waistband. Very much so. In a very drastic way. They're like, nah. We're so, going, yeah. Well, didn't China have like a limit on how many kids you could take? We're doing that method. Population. But yeah, I don't know. I guess they uh, they was like, I don't really want to deal with all these uh, kids. So they just had two each. Mm-hmm. And so that's why it's small. Like I only have like, I think I'm the only Latina with maybe, what is it? I'm a terrible family member. Uh, four like first cousins. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Like that's it. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Four first cousins. I mean, that's yes, it. and uh, yeah, no. I have. If you see some of the fights that break out when I go to Guadalajara for my mother's, just visit my mother's family. Like she has, she's one of seven. And when you see just the bullshit that yeah. <laughs> breaks I out. I can only imagine how crazy it, you it know, is. You know, between the sisters, because it's six girls and one brother. And when you see the, the when you see the, the, the sister crap, 
You just want to put your head down and dodge bullets. Like it's like it's like no. This, well, their periods probably sink up. They probably totally sink. Disastrous. Up they oh all my destroy god! Destroy each other. Um, they all have different <laughs> ways of of preparing a meal or or what they want to do or what's best for the abuelitos and all this stuff. So oh they just god. get into arguments. That and, sounds. And now with chaotic. WhatsApp, do you WhatsApp with your relatives? You know what? I don't. But that's the thing. My mom that's, discovered it, and she's just all about it. It's great for big families, though. Like everyone I know is all about the WhatsApp for their family <laughs> right. affairs. Like, My mom knew it before all... I did. Really? Yes. That's so funny. And then she is incessant with the WhatsApp, which is a stereotype thing, right? I guess. Uh, to me, it's a stereotype thing. I know thing. that a lot now of Latino like, families do use it. Yeah, because you can speak, because it's like you can just talk and text between And like memes countries. and yeah. share. Yeah, exactly. My mom is so effing good at it she's like a hacker like, like, like she's like I, i'm like mom are you part of the original development team on whatsapp because she uses it meanwhile she has like 18 facebook profiles because every time she forgets her password oh, she just makes a new my one my god but you know what i'm talking about hey, yes like, i do i've oh, I need my but this how you that like she just wants me to help her with the facebook yes. profile every two seconds and i'm like mom the answer is not to make a new Facebook profile. Please stop making it's, Gmail accounts. She knows how to make a Gmail account. And a she new doesn't Facebook know. Profile. Just write down your password, people. <laughs> and when I was there in account. December, she goes, can you help me with the Instagram? And I said, you don't need Instagram, Mom. You're good. You're good. <laughs> You're I'm good. like, I refuse to help you with one more social media website. <laughs> my Yeah, my mom is all over, all up on Facebook, Instagram. Uh, she has a YouTube account. I think the only thing she doesn't have. Oh, no. I think she did have Snapchat at one point, but now she's uh, sticking to Insta stories. And she and she's av- she's like really avid about it. Like oh, hundred percent. Really- like all she reconnected with all of her high school friends on Facebook. Like she's obsessed. What's it like when like because you've been using stuff like that for how long? I mean, you came out of you you. you when did you first start your I believe to character or start putting up like your first video? Um, it's. So bizarre because, I mean, I went to film school and I would act in, like, people's films and vice versa. And I've always kind of had a knack for playing older women. Like, <laughs> But it, sometimes they would be Hispanic, sometimes they wouldn't be. Sure. Um, and so a lot of it was, like, live performance-based. And then the first time I ever, like, when I first, actually, no, my first YouTube channel was called Los Funnies. It doesn't even exist anymore. <laughs> and my boyfriend and I did, like, soap opera parodies on that. But Abuela didn't actually show up there. It was actually my second channel. The one that I took the most seriously uh, was called Aggressive Comics. And so I was hosting and producing for that YouTube channel for five years. And It was just you or was it was a group of folks? It was me and a team of yeah. two guys that lived in New York. And so we did mostly like movie reviews and stuff like that. And for the longest time, no one even knew I was Hispanic. My last name is Lorenzo, so people thought I was just like an Italian yeah, girl Italian. or like a New Yorker. People say I have an, a New York attitude. I, I don't know. <laughs> I haven't been to New York since I was four. They think so, you're like Puerto Rican or something. No, at the mo- they don't think they you're think Hispanic I'm like at all. a white. Yeah, like a lot of my audience was like predominantly like white male. Uh huh. And so, what's that about? It's because geek content. Yeah. No, yeah, yeah, you're right. I mean. <laughs> So, Hi, Silver Spring, Maryland. I mean, <laughs> we know the we know the statistics. Yeah. Yes. So I mean, that was my my audience, and uh, every now and then I would kind of mention that I was Cuban. I'll slip it in mm-hmm. uh, in a video or two, and the comments would always be like, "What?" 
Mm-hmm. You're Hispanic. You're Cuban. I didn't. I would have never guessed. It was so weird. And so towards the end, like the last two years of that channel, I started bringing the abuela character out. But I was like, how am I going to bring this incredibly just out, you know, full blown Hispanic old woman character into this channel where I wear a cute little wig and shorts and boots and my geek tees and i talk about how much i hate michael bay right. ruining the new ninja turtles and oh forget the transformers yeah well you know what i <laughs> <laughs> that was that was a big part of my life in that channel is just bashing michael bay and uh so i'm bringing this character that and again more than half the people there didn't even know I was hispanic so the only way i can think of me me and the team thought of bringing her in was making her a superhero for a kick-ass two review right so that was like me as abuela and like this is my like alter ego superhero if the abuelita is a superhero exactly like if she yeah that's hilarious. so she had like a painted red mask over her eyes like Raphael's mask yeah um you know with her glasses on top and her like weapon was a fly swatter and of course it would be. Her, the her, frisbee's chunkla. Yes. Well, there's multiple weapons. <laughs> right, right. She's like the, Batman. She's got, the, exactly, she's got her weapons. Multiple on her belt. And um, yeah, she was. her name was Cuban Grandma, Defender of All of Miami. <laughs> and how, and the, but the response, I mean, I'm guessing People the response People like the huge. response. I ended up finding out that I did have like a solid like Latino geek mm-hmm. fan base. Um, they started being more outspoken, you know, because not everyone comments. No, the majority of people don't comment. Exactly, and uh, and what it in, in it's it's hard to do. Like with Geekscapists, I love you, but we do this show every week, um, and I've been doing it fairly consistently for twelve years. Um, you guys love it when I do the characters, and especially talking to Matt Kelly going into Comic Con this summer. We'll have the Comic Con booth back at um, San Diego this year, so I'd love to see any of you who are going to San Diego. Um, Matt and I are just talking about the different videos we're going to shoot at Comic-Con and it's so hard to actually do because you're at Comic-Con and you're working you a booth and all this stuff. But obviously I would love to see Super Action Man come out or or um, El Chucho, who's my Cholo character. <laughs> like You guys like it when I do El Chucho, but um, guys, it's hard to do. And yeah. you found uh, – I mean, have you found that you found – the because I call it metabolism. Like you've got yeah. the, you've got a certain bandwidth or metabolism for being able to do this stuff because it is mentally and physically exhausting, mm-hmm. and it's hard to for people to understand that because it's like you're just playing around. Yeah, people think but you're your just brain having, is yeah. fucking flying. Yeah, your brain is flying. Um, I mean, Sam is me in a wig and like a speedo <laughs> at Comic Con, trying not to get arrested for assault because I'm basically pressing myself against people. My God, <laughs> the, the game. <laughs> love but, that but, gimmick. And every time I step out of that, like I go, this is what I do. I go in, and guys, surprise, Sam and I are the same person. Uh, spoilers after all these years. <laughs> now, whenever I step out of the booth, uh, not the booth, um, I go into the bathroom as Jonathan, and I get into the stall. And whenever I step out, I'm just running on fear because adrenaline because I think I'm going to get arrested. <laughs> that makes sense yeah of course and so you're pulling it's like when you do man on the street stuff like yeah that's you're, and you're trying to pull and, shit you're trying to pull stuff out of the ether as like you're just flying yes you're laying track as the train is coming yeah it's very stressful and it's very exhausting yeah so you can only do it i mean how often do you usually do make a video with that character oh my gosh 
at least once a week, if not every mm-hmm. other week. Do That's f- my bread and butter right now. And you find yourself falling into her, like like at stoplights yeah. where you're sitting there. Does she comment? Does she take over your brain sometimes when you're sitting <laughs> at a stoplight? Do you speak well, in her voice? No, I mean it's that's basically my actual grandma. Like she's modeled after my my mom's mom. May she rest in peace. Oh. Um, but she was um, she passed two years ago, so mm-hmm. she she was around to see the character though. What she think? knew it was based on her. Uh, she laughed. She was just like, ha, <laughs> did true. she have notes? No, good. <laughs> she was. She just thought like she she was. I I love her, man. Like she, my grandparents were amazing. My parents were amazing. They allowed me to be as weird and as artsy and out there as I could be. I would turn the house upside down with my sister and like do performances and film things and make costumes out of clothing that you know we already found in the closet. My I was just always a very creative kid. Mm-hmm. So I'm just lucky that that's not always the case in Hispanic families. I have so many friends that had to give up on their dreams. They can be strict, yeah. Because, yeah, parents, you know, their parents wanted them to be a doctor or a lawyer or just anything but a performer or artist. What did did you, um, what what did your parents do for a living? Uh, My mom was an AT&T operator for 25 plus years and she still does like, she now, she's now a translator for companies. And my dad, uh, it's it's strange because he took over my grandfather's business as an accountant. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was that's been his whole life. So very stable jobs. Very stable jobs. You, I, I'm surprised almost that they didn't want the same for you. Or hmm, I don't know. My, my father wanted to be a writer his entire life, but he took on a law practice because he's like, well, I gave birth to, you know. My half-sister, Michelle, and then us three boys. And he's like, I couldn't just be a writer. And so mm-hmm. that being said, you know, and he was a great lawyer, but um, he wanted, you know, he never told me not to pursue the creative track. Which is great. But I think it came out of him having not okay. pursued it. Does he, that make sense? Did your yeah. father have aspirations? Did your mother have aspirations for a creative life? Not creative, no. Huh. Neither of them. My mom just was always very colorful and she likes to, she did a couple plays in in high school, but that wasn't, she never wanted to be an actress or anything of that sort. If Mm -hmm. if anything, her dream was to be like a pilot or a stewardess. So her thing was like traveling, you know, both of my parents are big travelers. My grandfather though was an artist in Cuba uh, and he had to give up all of that for this, you know, just survival. Uh, I mean, how much of that do you know? Like the whole story. I mean, a good amount. He he was just naturally talented. My grandparents didn't have any like their education stopped at like fourth grade because, uh, in Cuba. Because hashtag Cuba. Because hashtag Cuba. Pretty <laughs> right. much like this. That's all you can do. So, yeah. and then they had giant families that had to take care of each other. Um, and my my grandfather, his dad died when he was a baby. Okay. So imagine a single mom with like eight girls and one boy. And he was the man of the house. The man of the house. At any age because yes. it's like the second he's two, he's already the man of the house. Yeah. Because they're – oh, my God. Um, was he the was he the youngest somewhere in the middle or – I think uh, – I mean, I, I think that he's the youngest because – I think – not the youngest youngest. Right. But he was, I think, towards – still one of the younger ones but not the youngest. Because I mean, if I'm guessing if daddy died – when when he's young, there's not that's exactly kind of, that's kind exactly. of where the road ends. So I think he had like maybe kids. two sis, younger sisters after him, or one. Right. Um, and, yeah. And he 
found some way to entertain, and then it was time to get the job, time to work. Yeah, apparently he... So his, like, main skill was portraits. He was very skilled in drawing people. And it was all visual, just looking at something, and then he knew exactly what to do. He had no education in this. So he was just Mm -hmm. naturally talented in the arts. And um, he did tell me that he got hired sometimes by, like, local movie theaters to draw famous actors like John Wayne and, like, other, you know, Cuban actors, let's say, but also in, in America. Sure. So he was always, like, drawing um, people, and, like, they would commission him, and then eventually he got into painting houses and stuff like that. Like, that was his way of making money. But when they left Cuba, he had to hide all his paintings with neighbors because the the way it worked was once you announced, there was, like, a small window of time yes. where you were allowed to leave Cuba via the freedom flights. Mm-hmm. I think it was, like, a seven-year window. By the time you announce that you're leaving to the officials, they then confiscate everything you have. So before they announced it, he he did the smart thing and he hid all the paintings with various friends and, and family and neighbors. And then they announced it. Then they left. Mm-hmm. And a year before he passed, there's actually a video about it online. I did it when I was at BuzzFeed. Wow. Where we tracked down one of his earlier sketches it was like when he was 14, he drew this one or 15 and it was huge and we brought it over and we surprised him for Father's Day. Were you losing your shit? It was crazy because as I got older, I'm like, we still have family in Cuba. We actually, we even have family members that fly frequently to Cuba. And I'm like, how have we not tracked down one of these paintings yet? You've never tried. Any of them had not been no, tracked. No, none of them. I would, I would have thought... And again, like my naivety about the political climate of the mid late sixties, um, in the whole I mean, obviously we were not getting along <laughs> during anything post Kennedy, like we were not getting along after the whole missile scare. Um so even when like Reagan opened up that another window of like the the, the wet feet, dry feet and all that stuff, mm-hmm. like there still wasn't a conversation with some of these people. He didn't keep track of where he'd no. put these paintings. I think there was a... He needed some WhatsApp. Th- I know. <laughs> like, there that's... was just like a go and don't look back mentality okay. with a lot of Cubans. I think my grandma only visited once more just to see her mom again. Not long after she left, though. And that was it. Decades then passed. Not a single person has returned. And she never saw her mom again. Never saw her mom again. Or her dad. Or most of her siblings. Wow. Same with my grandfather. Only a couple siblings went over. Yeah. And if you're not keeping contact with your family members, then how the hell are you going to keep in track of your paintings? It was mostly through like letters, like right. old school letters. And then my grandma would always, till her last days, she was always sending packages to Cuba mm-hmm. for her family. But yeah, I was, I, I mean, I'm very much a take charge person. So as I got older, that it was like a light bulb moment. And I'm like, this is impossible. Like, we have to find one. Yeah. This is ridiculous. And we did. It was on eBay? I'm kidding. Yeah. I'm like, oh. I'm kidding. <laughs> it's sitting in the... <laughs> but you know what's really sweet, though, is that this particular piece, and it's... I have um, a cousin named Mari Carmen who just uh-huh. now recently moved to Tampa, Florida. Uh, she's close to my age. From Cuba. From Cuba, yeah. Perfect. She, at the time, was 
she and her husband were in a TV production company in Cuba, so they had access to cameras and microphones and stuff. When we tracked down the neighbor, it was the neighbor's son who was, you know, the neighbors had already, the his parents had already passed. Mm-hmm. So he's like in his 70s. And he obviously is living in, you know, very poor conditions, you know, and he had the painting still on his wall and he refused to sell it because people tried to buy it from him. Wow. And that could have done a lot of good for him. He didn't have like the means. He could have used that money. And he was just so loyal to my grandfather. And we were able to interview him. So he's on camera like talking about it. Did you go to Cuba for the segment, or did no. you, you? Oh wow! Yeah, it was my cousin. She did the uh, in Cuba she did the production. Mm-hmm. It was whoa, nuts. yeah, yeah. It's pretty emotional. <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, and then the uh, funny. It's not even. That's not funny. It wasn't funny then. It's funny now. The painting <laughs> fell apart. It deteriorated. It deteriorated when my other cousin, the one that kind of flies back and forth all the time. Sure. It was good timing because he had to go to a wedding in Cuba. That's when he went to pick up the painting. But when you took it out of the frame, it had been in that thing since the 60s, 50s. Okay. And rolling it up and traveling to Miami, it all crumbled into little pieces. So it became a puzzle. Okay. Then <laughs> one of my best friends, Emmy, he's an artist. He's a comic book artist. Right. Um, and so rolling it, the, the paint chip, the paint, well, it, it, it flaked. This was more like a charcoal okay. sketch of like a, it was huge. Okay. I can't even recall the dimensions, but it was a lot bigger than I thought. Uh, I was still in LA and the painting was now crumpled up in Miami on my mom's table. And so I called Emmy and I'm like, can you please, before I get there, get a hold of this thing and try to put it back together. <laughs> And we did. We put it mostly together. You put the painting back yes, we together, did. but with, from like you're saying that the canvas deteriorated. The, the, it the was it was because he it, was poor, yeah, yeah. so he didn't even have. It wasn't even canvas. It was like this brown paper. Sure, sure. And it, it was so stiff that it just almost started, like wrapping paper from a from a cutlery or something like a, like, yeah, like it, packing. It just. So the paper itself was the fell paper apart, itself fell not apart. The, not what you true with not like the paint or the charcoal yeah no everything else was intact so it became like a puzzle okay so you're you i mean yeah it's almost like calling the local museum and being like hey you're restoration (laughs) experts because you know how there's yes you you find out about the restoration experts at local museums it's almost like damn you guys were your own like like novice like like (laughs) restoration experts that's awesome i yeah that's incredible it was nuts i mean from what you've told me, it, it, you, you kind of imagine a scenario where some of these works were sold off for survival over the years. Do you believe that to be perhaps the case? It seems like that. It seems like that could have been the case. So who knows where those things are now? It sucks because some of the paintings are actually of my, like he drew my grandma oh my that's God. out there somewhere and he drew my mom and uncle. Hmm. So those would have been nice to have. And I don't think I'm done in my quest. Yeah. I would like to... <laughs> I will eat the attitudes coming through. Do like, You're oh, like, gosh. Yeah. I'm... See? See? Because um, <laughs> I'm like, there has to... It has to be somewhere. We, You know, we'll see. But I think, like, I'm glad it's off my bucket list that I was able to track down at least that one and present it to him when he was still alive. It's incredible. What was I his know. response? 
And then, was, yeah, again, there's a video online. Yeah, there's a, there's a yeah. video. He's not like this very like outwardly emotional guy. Uh-huh. He kind of holds it in. My grandma, of course, was floored. <laughs> Uh, my grandma, her birthday is actually two days before mine. Yeah, gotta give so it to the grandmas. Gotta give it to Cuban grandmas. But <laughs> he was just very like, oh my gosh, that's mine. And at the time, he was 92. Hmm. So he was, you know, very old, but he was still like, uh, his mentality, yeah, he was he was strong. My grandfather, Guadalajara, lived it to 103, 100, hmm. 103, 104. And, um, and he was still completely lucid. Yeah. I took a picture of him. I I posted it and it went to the front page of Reddit. Oh my uh, God. What? <laughs> I took a photo of my grandfather on his 100th birthday doing the crosswords the, from the Guadalajara newspaper that he'd been doing since oh. the 50s. Since the 50s. And so I, I took a photo of my, my grandfather in his bedroom at his desk with his magnifying glass doing the crossword puzzle That's from so that cute. day's Guadalajara paper and um, with his marzipan next to him and everything. Oh. <laughs> and I took a photo of it and it went to the front page of Reddit. I remember very clearly and um was very happy with that photo. And uh, and I I was like, man, like he's still completely lucid. It's just oh. your body that kind of yeah, trips up on you. Aging sucks. Um, that's incredible. Yeah. Uh, that story is amazing. Um, when when you slipped in, when you slipped in a little bit, I, I heard a little bit of the Abuelita coming in, <laughs> and uh, in what ways are you similar to her? Do you see the, the traits? And the, oh yeah, hundred percent. Well, I think it's because my grandma and I are very similar. Okay. Um. Yeah. Like our birthdays were like two days apart. We're both Scorpios. You know, she was very. She was a little intense. Um, she worried a lot about people. Like that's that was like her her like career was really in just worrying. Catholic. Catholic. Hey, so you got to worry about people. <laughs> yeah, she was insane. Like everything was gonna kill you. Um, <laughs> yes. So till this day, I won't put a hat on the bed. It's a superstitious thing. With yeah. putting a hat on the bed brings in a doctor because you're sick. I know it's freaking horrible. Wow. Or if I put my purse on the floor, it means you're gonna lose all your money. And it's just like dumb. Th- like I know I'm being so dumb, but I can't. Like her head just pops. Her in. voice, yeah, yeah. She's just like, you know, don't do that. You're gonna lose all your money. Mm-hmm. Um, but I try to keep Abuela very like vibrant and fun, and like that was my my grandma till the very end. They, this is a little sad, but also very like beautiful. Is that they passed away five days apart from each other? Wow. Because yeah, he was he was passing, and when she found out he was gonna pass, she had a stroke. Whoa! So she beat him to it. She was like, <laughs> "I'm out." <laughs> She's like, "No, you don't." She's like, "Uh, uh-uh. uh." <laughs> so in a way, it it sucked. It was like a two for one special. We're like, "This is uh." Do but- they offer that at like the? <sighs> The gravesite, or <laughs> do they offer that stuff? Well, what's the on their tombstones is really funny, actually. What's that? Have you ever heard? Do Mexicans say alabao? Well, not, not, not in my family. Okay, it's like it just means like whoa. I don't know. That's really funny. Alabao. So on their tombstones, it says alabao juntos otra vez together again. Yeah, yeah. Because they were so attached to each other. I mean, she started dating him when she was fifteen. Wow. And he was twenty. So that's they were each other's entire lives. When she saw that he was going to kick the bucket, she's like, peace out. Um, I'm yeah. like, thanks, Grandma. Jeez. I think I'm going to stroke it up. Don't even want to come to my wedding. All right. Um, so <laughs> I see how it is. But um, 
yeah, so they were always like really close. And I'm trying to figure I'm, I know I know this was a tangent. I'm trying to figure out it's all good. where we were at right before that. It's all good. We we were basically just talking about the similarities you had with oh, your Oh, yes. Uh, I mean, are, are, uh, internally are things like are, like uh like she seems very staunch, right? Like very stubborn or set. Yes. Are you in that same way? I mean, she also has that quick trigger. <laughs> I recently saw the one where you bring a Hispanic girl over. Oh, okay. Well, that's. <laughs> I loved that sketch, and uh, I, I mean that's a great short. And Thank when, you. And when she discovers that she doesn't speak Spanish, it's fucking off. Like it's it's dead to me. <laughs> yeah, that one. That one. Um, it's funny because that's of course. The Abuela character is based on my real grandma, but she's also a culmination of other older Hispanic women. Mm-hmm. So my grandma wasn't that bad. And in, in certain things, yes. Like when it came when it comes to superstitions and like afraid that you're going to die by just breathing air. Mm-hmm. Like that's my grandma. My grandma was more like the paranoid kind. Yes, she was Catholic, but she wasn't like hardcore Catholic. That's what you like folklore. Yeah, and (laughs) (laughs) that's how you like the superstitious. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The supernatural. Well, my grandma said my grandma always told me she was haunted by ghosts, Hmm. and my my cousin on my grandma's side sees spirits. So that's always kind of been in my family. (laughs) I mean, but you you respectfully believe them, or I do. I'm very open minded about things. I'm a I'm a spiritual person. I I do believe in a god, and. But to me, anything goes. Aliens, sure. Time travel, sure. Let's do it. Ghosts, I don't care. I I believe in all of it. This world is a little nuts, so and I think there's more to things than what we can see. Sure. Um, and it keeps things interesting. But yeah, so but then when it comes to my grandma was very judgmental in certain things, but she didn't really care much about the whole. Oh, if you don't speak Spanish, then you're not a real Hispanic. That wasn't her spiel she's like okay you know but there are so many even in the comments like doing videos for the past three years in this like realm you know latino content when we do discuss that topic you're gonna get a ton of comments and it's typically from older hispanic women that are like no i taught my son how to speak spanish (laughs) that is the only way they are going to be close to their roots. And then I feel bad for, I mean, hell, even Gina Rodriguez doesn't speak perfect Spanish. Mm-hmm. And she's like an advocate for that. Like, no, I'm proud of being a Puerto Rican woman. I stand up for Latinas everywhere. And I don't speak Spanish well at all. Yeah, no, my Spanish is a butchery. Exactly. My I, Spanish isn't even perfect. I just saw her uh, in Annihilation. I'm dying to see that Natalie movie. Portman film. I, I, I thought it was good. I think... Um, I can understand how people are, have mixed feelings about the movie because it has some ambiguity to it. Um, mm-hmm. But I think that's part of the movie. If you've like, watched Alex Garland's other movie, like Ex Machina, I like a level of ambiguity yeah, with yeah, my yeah, sci-fi. Yeah. That was a brilliant film. It was awesome. Fellow Miami actor. And we're all fans of Dread here. <laughs> I love <laughs> I, I mean, he's credited with only writing the script to uh, Dread, the Carl Urban Judge <laughs> Dread movie. But... Um, I think recently there was a rumor that went out that was like, who really directed Dread? And they're pointing towards Alex Garland as being like <laughs> a big influence on the directing of that movie. Um, that being said, Annihilation, I really thoroughly enjoyed. And I, I just like, you know what? I just like directors presenting ideas 
you don't have to answer them. You don't have to follow. Just just throw a thesis out and let the audience exist in it for a bit. That that I enjoy a lot. Um, so if you're a sci-fi fan, I enjoyed Annihilation. That's your little mini review for it. <laughs> and, and leave us your feedback. If you're on Facebook, go to Geekscape Forever. That's our group where we talk. Uh, it's a private group, but go ahead and ask for permission to join. I'll totally <laughs> approve it. Um, I just like the conversation, and uh, obviously, you can tweet at us and stuff. Um, so, um, the 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 Catholicism, yeah, they tried, and did it succeed? Your parents Are they, were they were they staunch? I mean, because my mother's religious, yes, and I think with every so every problem I have, every every time I have a problem, she's like. <laughs> she just wants yeah. me to talk to God for everything. My family, they weren't like that. Okay. Um, they threw me in for some confusion because they put my sister and I in a small Christian what the f- school first and then a Catholic high school. Huh? And I, and I did catechism and all that, CCD. So I was raised, like my family's beliefs are all Catholic but then from kindergarten to eighth grade, I was at a Christian school. Oh, that's not even to like fourth grade. That's eighth, eighth grade. grade. Yeah. So wow. a good chunk of my life. Now, I know Christianity is like a, you know, it's a huge umbrella here. But I think they were more leaning Baptist, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and so it, it was kind of funny because my mom always had her rosary hanging from the car. But <laughs> yep. these type like Baptists and such, uh, at least those teachers, they th- they see Catholics as like idolaters. Like you are worshiping false idols. If you pray to the Virgin Mary, Mm -hmm. if you pray to saints, even having statues, which Catholics, you got a Catholic statues everywhere. Yes. And some Catholics will have a giant statue on in their front lawn, which is always terrifying. Um, it's Cubans typically worship, uh, San Lazaro. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, it was a fun. It's like it's it's interesting because we're still worshiping the same God, mm-hmm. same beliefs surrounding Jesus and and whatnot. But they were not fond of Catholics for these other added tidbits. Your, your Christian upbringing, my Christian upbringing, yeah, like your, your education, the school, my education, education, right? So like teachers would like when we would go on field trips, and my mom, my mom was very involved in school. She was like a you know PTA mom and all that, and she would offer to drive and. She would always tell me, like, teachers would freak. Like, in a subtle way. But you can tell they were very uncomfortable to be even near a rosary. Oh, right. So when you offer to drive and a bunch of Christian-educated kids and, and teachers come into well, your the car. Well, the kids didn't care. Right, but the teachers jump in or the, the other moms jump in. The teachers are like, yeah, exactly. They're like, mm. You get this rosary. Yeah, so that, that's what was confusing because I'd be in class and, like, I actually had a much – the one thing I'll say that was pretty cool – is I learned a lot about the Bible. Sure. I don't, I do, I do not, I know we're getting into religion here and it's weird, but I don't. It's not that weird. I don't take the Bible word for word. I think the Bible has caused right. many wars. Right. <laughs> like, and I, I mean. There's a lot of miscommunication. Now they're, now they're flame wars. <laughs> there's a lot of wars. Internet. Yeah, there's a lot going on. I just, the Bible's been edited by a million shitty human beings. And are you still religious? Do you still attend I'm, church? I'm more spiritual sure. than anything. I, I think just, that's what we're all saying now. It and, is, and, and it I'm is. not saying it's a cop out because I, I think that's literally where we're headed. We're worn the hell out from this shit. There's just too many. You're right. You're wrong. You're right. You're wrong. And like so much fighting amongst people over. Oh, well, the Bible says this and the Bible says that. And there's even 
a ton of different versions of the damn Bible. There's so it's like yeah, even it, even the Vatican. Ma- it's a dungeon manual at this point. Yeah, and the Vatican's like hiding scrolls. I'm like, okay, you know what? I'm done. <laughs> I don't care. Apparently, it has to do something we with Jesus to, having been them, married. We need to ask the Vatican about. Uh, I'm like, what are you doing? Your, your What's so bad in that thing? That they're stashing. Oh my god! Like it's probably something so silly, but to like, and again, it's human. Humans suck. Right. So there's a lot of evil and corruption associated with religion and how the Bible's been edited over thousands of years. Sure. So that's why I cannot sit there and go, yes, everything in the Bible is 100%. So I think people just need to stay humble about it and just follow what they believe and their faith. And even if you don't believe in a damn thing, good for you. Well, there are broad stroke instructions. Yes. (laughs) There are the, the the, the, the golden rule, right? Yeah. Do Pretty much the as you rule. Like, that's it. That's the best rule there is. And I mean, guys, I just gave you a cliff notes. <laughs> you just got your Bible cliff notes. I, uh, I'll tell you a funny story. My father was raised Church of Christ, and my grand, my my white grandmother from uh, Groom, Texas, to her final days uh, was all about Church of Christ. And I remember that my older brother's funeral in '96. It just got really sad in here, but. Mm-hmm. My older brother lived with my mom, and so my mom, for sure, I mean, hey, it was one of the most intense weeks of my life, and a lot of decisions had to be made by the parental units, and my older brother had his funeral in the Catholic church that my mom attended, <laughs> and um, the one of the few things I remember from that haze of my older brother's funeral was hearing my grandmother behind my back, like she was... She was seated right in the row behind my family and I. And my grandmother turned to a family friend. And at that point, the senility, like she had already, her mind had already started to go. (laughs) Her Christianity had not started to go, but her mind had started to go. And I don't think she got the context of why we were there to bury a family member because she turned to a family friend. And my older, my, my, my father's name is Jack. Her son's name is Jack. And, uh, and she turned to, my grandmother turned to a family friend and goes, Make sure Jack doesn't come back here. This is a bad church. This is a Catholic church. No. <laughs> I remember hearing that in the middle of my older brother's funeral and just being like, to the end. To the end, Granny. <laughs> to the end. Well, that's why in that video, the same one you were mentioning where I made about that about the uh, abuela having a yeah. conflict with this girlfriend that <laughs> can't speak Spanish, yeah. towards the very end. <laughs> oh, I'm non-denominational Christian. <laughs> And the grandma just loses her mind. <laughs> uh, and it's just so it's so silly. But I like to poke fun at the flaws of yeah. our culture. Yeah, I don't think that uh, my mom, I don't think my mother's family would have a problem. It, but but granny, Texas granny for sure had a problem yeah. with, I, I, think, I, I think that as far as Christianity goes, like the Church of Christ sect is hard fucking core. Like that is like... I mean, Geekscape is you who may have been raised that way. Like you guys may know more than me, but I, I think that they're like, like it's that, and then you're snake eating. <laughs> it's like it's like you're hardcore, and then you're and then you're somewhere in the bayou, snake eating and snake worshiping and like yes. speaking in tongues. Yes, you know, like people get pretty intense. And I don't have problems talking about politics. I don't have talk, problems talking about religion. When you do a show for fifty two weeks out of the year, <laughs> you you find shit to talk about, but um. But, yeah, I think it's part of our problem that we skew away from that stuff online. Like, what is the most 
like vitriolic stuff that you've received doing a character that can be seen as that specific racially? Have you dealt with racism towards that character? I have to imagine you have because it's the fucking internet. Believe it or not, not that much. Yay for the internet. You won. <laughs> there's and there's it's not just Hispanics who watch it. It's I'm always surprised when I get stopped by like a like a white person, mm-hmm. like a non-Hispanic white cuz I'm technically very white. I did a DNA test and I'm 95% European. Is that right? Yeah, I Crazy. I call myself the Urkel of Hispanic boys. Like <laughs> I'm like, yeah. I'm Mexican the same way Taco Bell's my technically Mexican. Uh, yeah, right. you know, I mean, like people, I, it's it's a constant struggle. I mean, my my big struggle really is within the Latino culture. Talk There's a lot it. of yeah. hating amongst each other. So, some of the commentary or some of the direct uh, reactions that you've had, just to your work in general, not necessarily a character, but mm-hmm. you you witness some of this stuff. Oh yeah, um, more so when I worked at BuzzFeed or Me Too, mm-hmm. right? Because these are these are already channels that have millions of subscribers um versus you know my my own personal is growing sure uh where can we find that jenny lorenzo there everything <laughs> <laughs> uh but i i feel like influencers in particular you have more of more control over who your audience becomes okay. you kind of grow like this little family it's like your own garden yeah we try and garden there's not that many positivity weeds. Yeah. yeah and like you're you're more vigilant and you're like okay Granted, if you, I'm not at the level of like, say, a Jenna Marbles. Sure. So that poor girl does not have time to pick out weeds. But you know, influencers who are growing, um, and even fairly big ones, we have more control over who our audience gets to be, and if we see a weed, we pick it out. You know. Do you block, ignore, let the audience uh, kind of democratize the thing? Like, what? How do you feel? It's rare. It has to be abusive commentary for me to block if a person's just being downright abusive and like harassing sure uh and that doesn't happen that often what happens more and i do try to talk to these particular people because i i find it interesting i think it's a challenge um i'll see a comment in there and it'll just be more of an ignorant comment nothing about like again it'll usually be from another a fellow hispanic person really yeah like there's there will be commentary sometimes like, oh, she doesn't really sound Cuban. Right. That's like she's this, you know, um, or something about my body. A lot of times I get skinny shamed. What do you mean? Because you, the, the, the Hispanic women supposed to have curves? Yes, exactly. Hispanic women are supposed to look like J-Lo and Sofia Vergara were known to have like bodacious curves mm-hmm. and giant asses. And I'm very petite. So I'm sure people here don't know what the hell I look like, but... The only actress that I can really compare myself to is Ellen Page. Right. Oh, okay. Almost that. identical yeah. body types um, and size. So that's why I had a, a hard time in Miami when I was going to castings because they would be like, well, she's Latina. And then they'd see me and they're like, uh. <laughs> yeah. That- this pale, tiny, hipless creature is not <laughs> Latina. Um, so sometimes, like lately, if I sh- if I put up a photo where it's showing more of my body or something, I will get commentary like that. I need to eat more, or what kind of Cuban am I to be so thin? Because well, yeah, that's fucked up. <laughs> I know, but that's uh, that's a Hispanic on, community for Hispanic you. on Hispanic crime. That's uh, yeah. I mean, there's there's a lot going. There's colorism, and people I, will always roll their eyes at that. But there is. I love how it's it's like hey, let's celebrate our culture, but our culture has to be this very thin specific yeah. 
myopic thing. Like you can't just celebrate all. We want to celebrate all the colors as long as the colors come in this one shade. Ex- I know it's. <sighs> it's kind of fucked it's, up. It's a struggle in many ways. It's like who's it? It all comes down to like, are you Latino enough? Mm-hmm. And then if you don't fall under the specific view of what this person wants you to be, and I think a lot of that happens. A lot of that is happening right now, especially in the Latino sphere, in in digital because. I mean, look at television. Mm-hmm. Can you really name like 10 solid, epic Latino-centered shows? No. No. I can maybe think of like four or five, even. Yeah, and we're going to throw chips in there because <laughs> like, <laughs> chips is going to get thrown in there just because it's, like, it's chips. Yeah, so... Eric Estrada, and you got it. Chips. I'm gonna go through. I'm gonna give you. I'm gonna go ahead and give that you. Say, make, but I'm yeah. gonna go ahead and give you say by the bell too. I would count. Okay, fine, <laughs> fine. And maybe Danny from Hey Dude. <laughs> <laughs> but but I think the, I think Danny was Native American. Oh my god! And then he was First Nation. I didn't watch Hey Dude. That's the one I didn't watch. Watched a lot of Saved by the Bell he wasn't and even Hispanic Chips. At all. Oh my gosh! Well, he may have been, played. but he was probably the closest freaking thing. They're like Browns, Brown. Put him in the, put him over there in that ranch show. <laughs> I mean, yeah, Hollywood is still like, it's like I see Hollywood like this old tortoise that's like can't even open his eyes. Mm-hmm. He's so ancient, and you're like, please just croak already, <laughs> so we can story. bring in the no baby, because uh, it's so like just so antiquated everything about it, and I think the o- audiences. Which, but you know, you know, Latinos make up a giant chunk. Yes, of like viewership, both yeah. movies and television and online media, and yet we're still not seeing ourselves represented. So then, audiences are thirsty. They're like they they want to see themselves represented, and I'll never forget. Of okay, course, yeah. you get like a plethora of good comments, but then the one bad one sticks out to you always and like kills you. Uh, it was in the beginning when I was still at BuzzFeed, so this was still very new that I was making this kind of content. And I made a video about, oh, things Cubans are tired of hearing, typical mm-hmm. BuzzFeed format. <laughs> and one girl commented, well, she shared the video, and in the caption, she's like, I can't stand the fact that this girl's representing Cubans. And I was like, ouch. Stupid, I know. I shouldn't let it get to me, but at the time it did. And I think the reason why people get that way is because they're not used to seeing themselves represented. Like, what what do Cubans have? Ricky Ricardo, right. okay, <laughs> and or like Andy Garcia, you know? Sure. Uh, definitely not as many females. Uh, if you want to count Cameron Diaz, go for it. Who is half Cuban? Um, and so they finally see themselves represented, but if it's not, now they're like, okay, we have this one person, but damn it, she doesn't look like me, or damn it, she doesn't talk like me, then that's a bad representation. So that's where people get disappointed. And I have two things to say, but first the question is, what, where, do you, where does the responsibility, if, if at all, weigh on you? And do you take it into account? Do you see it as responsibility? Do you see it as your your responsibility to carry as maybe one of the front runners in the representation? What I try to do, especially when I was at these companies, um, is I try my best to diversify the cast as much as possible. Mm-hmm. I like mixing things up. I dream of seeing more shows where it's mixed families. 
I want to see more Afro-Latino representation and even Asian Latinos. There's a huge Cuban-Asian community. <laughs> oh, to- you know, I can see that for and sure. And no one talks about them. Uh, you know, I'm, I want to skew away from just the fully white Latino family on television. Um, and so I try my best to, like, mix it up. I, I made some videos that involved um, different Latin American countries exchanging dishes and making it a more positive experience. Because, again, uh, when I moved from Miami to the West Coast, there was still a lot of, like, misconceptions about Caribbean Latinos from other Latinos. Like, oh, for sure. Me- like, like, there's – I mean, I just go from Texas to California and the Mexican food is different for sure. Oh, yeah. 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 It's just about our food. Like, oh, every Latino <laughs> is supposed to eat spicy food. Nope. I can't stand it. You can't? I don't. I don't. I well, mean, I, I'll do some of it. But, I can't but do it either, but here, we here's, don't. Yeah. Here's the spicy food I eat. Hot wings. <laughs> <laughs> you can take the boy out of Texas. <laughs> and see, to some people, it's like, give me back your Latino card. It's being revoked. It's like, no. Just, yeah. Can't you just be a human being? The same thing with being a geek. That was a that was a whole thing. Yeah, I, I can see how a lot of it's similar, and hopefully the, the audience is seeing the similarities. Yeah. It's like, oh, it's weird for... Hispanics and black people, particularly, to be nerdy or attractive people. <laughs> I mean, no offense. I mean, attract. I mean, the, it, it goes against that stereotype that geeks have to be almost unattractive, troll-like, greasy-haired basement dwellers to celebrate any of this culture. Um, one yep. thing. One thing. Uh, in, in, and I guess this applies as well is when you're talking about the 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 troll of. Uh, I hate that you're representing that this. I hate that this woman is representing Hispanics. So this is representing Hispanics. Is is there's no discourse there. You're not offering a solution. You're 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 slamming somebody for for putting a voice out. Yet you're not. A, she's not saying that there's a positive alternative mm-hmm. to Jenny Lorenzo. She's not saying that there's another alternative. To, she's not adding anything to the discussion other than a shutdown of someone putting their voice out there you know and it goes back to what i've said i think several times on the geekscape podcast and i still hell bent on making this into a t-shirt for you geekscapists but the idea of don't hate period create period like don't hate just create like just make something because if you i mean you're creating hatred (laughs) you're creating a shutdown use your voice for something a little bit more outward right a little bit more positive um, and it takes a little bit more work. I understand it might have to, you might have to delve into a little bit of insecurity to see if, um, what you have inside is worth putting out, but you know what? Just playing whack-a-mole with everyone else that's in your life only makes you a hammer or a mallet. It doesn't necessarily make you anything that pops out or creates, the, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's, it, like don't turn yourself into a hammer. You become a single binary object, and we're so much more than that, people. We are so much more than that. Even the person that leaves those comments, you are so much more than that comment, but you've become a hammer, and it's it's you wouldn't see yourself that way, yet you've treated yourself that way. Do you understand the problem in putting that out there, folks? Think about that next time you're going to make fun of Matt Kelly. I'm kidding. I love you, Matt Kelly. <laughs> Matt Kelly is like my safe kid brother that I can make 
poke <laughs> poke fun at, not make fun of, poke fun at here on the Geekscape podcast because I love you, Matt. Um, and when I do it to Shane, he texts me. <laughs> Why'd you say that? <laughs> I just want to say it really hurt my feelings. <laughs> just kidding, Shane. I love you too. I do. Um, I love all my 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 geek children, my geekscapists. And, I, and even though you don't talk to me. I love everyone in Silver Spring listening to this right now. Uh, you're an aberration. I don't know how it happened, but I love you all. Um, so I, I'm guessing somebody just leaves Geescape playing in like a backwards office in Silver Spring somewhere. Um, <laughs> where would you like to see this go? Um, my content in particular? Your or content just- in particular. And then, you, you, I mean, we've talked about the diversification of Hispanics on TV and, and where we'd like to are You're specific. Where is Jenny's journey? I would like my journey to go towards television. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's it's a funny time to be alive for, you know, filmmakers and such. You know, I went to film school. So mm-hmm. when I was in film school, which really wasn't that long. I graduated in 2011 and... Granted, YouTube had been a thing by that point. I actually started taking YouTube seriously with Aggressive Comics after I graduated that very summer. Um, but I think YouTube began around 2005 and such. So it's not like digital. Yeah. yeah, so digital media wasn't like this foreign thing. But for the most part, it was more of a do-it-yourself, again, YouTube. Um, it wasn't until a couple years later that places like BuzzFeed and other such did. Now it's like a freaking sea of digital media companies that keeps because even when i moved out here three years ago i thought i'm gonna be at buzzfeed and why because at the time it was the only company where you can do all of it right and that's what i had been used to doing on my own for a couple years at that point i was editing all my own content i was writing i was acting i was directing shooting so i i like wearing all the hats so i feel like i ended up being alive at a really cool time (laughs) That made it easier for a lot of film students to graduate and get hired more easily. It's like it's just like this middle platform that suddenly just sprouted up versus traditional was the only the thing. Door. Exactly. So that was that's a lot harder to get into. You have to start as like the PA, the PA, exactly, right. or you know the assistant. Um, so digital is this like nice little middle ground, uh, and it's. I, I am now what they consider. It's, I, I'm not used to the title, but it's influencer. It's that's done. What it's in. It's in. That's what's going to be it's on the your way. tombstone. And I think, oh God, no. <laughs> but that, I because it used to be YouTuber, right? Oh, right. I'm a YouTuber. But if you think about it, you don't say YouTuber anymore because there's so many different platforms. You're not strictly. Exactly. Yeah. Some people have a bigger, like my biggest audience is Facebook. Uh, so I it's think that's face, why. my mom calls it. El face. Yeah. El Facebook. <laughs> she just calls it face. A lot of Mexican people call it face. Yeah. That's so funny to she me. Got, she got lazy with the last half of that word. What happened to the book? Mom, did you fall asleep? <laughs> El face. <laughs> but I think it's because a lot of families are on Facebook to connect yeah. with each other. And that's why identity-based content does better on Facebook. Hmm. That's interesting. Yes. Um, YouTube is younger. Their algorithms be damned. It is. That's But they're yeah. doing the whole watchable thing now. and. Right. Uh, so... Is that a step to TV? Do you believe that now with something like Facebook's introduction to television? I mean, I mean, speaking basketball, which I somehow figure out how to do in every episode, uh, like, like the the Lonzo Ball and those guys have like their own Kardashian-like TV show that they're going to launch on Facebook. 
Mm. Like, is that an option is to, to sidestep traditional television, even though that's where the money is, traditional t- television and find one of these. And Twitter is supposedly going into television because everyone is. Yeah. Like even if, Snapchat is making since your audience is there already. Yeah. Have there been outreaches towards you in those directions to say, hey, Facebook, you're already there. We want to flip on this TV thing. Why don't we just go with the creators who are on there rather than draw people from traditional entertainment? Well, that's definitely happening. Uh, I've since because I recently left my job at Me Too mm-hmm. end of no, uh, end of October, so I've been solo for a couple months, um, and it's been nothing but meetings. So a lot of it has been in the digital sphere, and then a lot of it has also been in traditional, um, because it seems that a lot of networks do want a voice similar to mine, and that to me is where the conflict is happening in my career currently because my bread and butter right now is um, branded deals, sponsors, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and a lot, a lot of influencers do. That's how they make their money is through branded deals and then a little bit of money here and there from like YouTube if they make anything. And like, again, not everyone's on YouTube. So you can't rely on YouTube money. And then like merchandise, mm-hmm. right? Or like if you do shows. But the real like... uh you know, moneymaker is in sponsors and and brand deals. So in order to get those brand deals and make more money is you have to have a solid following. You have to make sure you're always growing. It can get very stressful. You're constantly checking numbers to make sure like you're reaching your goals. And in order to reach those numbers, you need to still be a video making machine. You need to constantly be posting. And then it's not just one platform. It's multiple. Yeah. So, okay, I need to go live at least once a week on Insta stories. And I need to put five Insta stories a day. And I need to post once a day on Instagram. That's one platform. Facebook. Okay, I need to put at least one video out a week and post maybe a couple things throughout the week that's not video. All right. And then YouTube. So, and then it's also trying to write back to people as much as you can, responding, you know, you know interacting with your community. That is what's going to get you the, the numbers. The numbers are going to get you the brand deals. That's one little world. Then there's traditional. In order for me to cross over, I need to have time to write. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. That's you, the killer. Where's the pilot? You know what I mean? Everybody's I'm like, literally working on it, and it yeah. but it's taking me longer than I would like because of trying to keep the wheels going with one hand. Of course. And then the other hand, I'm like, Ugh, okay, I got I to write fourth, this. I gotta, where's the third and fourth hand? <laughs> Yeah, so yeah. I kind of, so at times I do envy folks who have the ability to just not work at all. You said rich kids. Yes, <laughs> rich kids. Um, I am not one. I have no safety net, so I can only rely on myself. Yeah, and I l- so I, I can't. Yeah. I can't afford to just stop and just spend six months in a cabin and write. I, I see the the folks who did, um, you know, I see the folks who 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 made the names in film coming out of film school mm-hmm. and uh and again none of us jumped into youtube because it was i think we were a little too old for youtube da, 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 da. Um, and i took to podcasting because i loved radio so much but i don't want to point fingers but like it it's a little bit of rich kid stuff you know you, you have time to sit in a fucking coffee shop and write your damn script and it's like it it takes time and it's tough yeah. uh you know um yeah. <laughs> you're, you're you're probably not teaching or working or peeing and it's advice that I got 
uh, from a producer at Jerry Bruckheimer, Chad Oman. It was a meeting I first had when I moved out to L.A. And he goes, Jonathan, get a job that you do not take home with you. And then just spend the rest of that time, however much time you can get, um, making writing scripts. Just yeah. write scripts, write scripts. And, I, and I'll tell you what, I ignored it. I ignored it for a long stretch, and it was just now in the last year or two that I decided to change my life so that I could do exactly what I should have been doing 10 years ago. Never too late, though. Never I'm too late. I'm a firm believer. Never too late. <laughs> Don't hate create, because it's never too late. I want that shirt. I'm waiting for that shirt. Okay, I'll make the shirt. I'll make the shirt, Jenny. <laughs> Don't I think hate, create. Don't hate, create. Uh, Geekscape, that's what I give to you. Uh, you can find Jenny at Jenny Lorenzo on everything. <laughs> My handles are all over the place, so it's just type Jenny Lorenzo on Google. <laughs> we didn't even talk about our shared Ninja Turtle love. You know Kevin Eastman's been on the show. I know. I love it. I hate you. <laughs> well, 12-year-old me loves me. <laughs> trust me, like, when he was sitting in my living room <gasps> doing Geekscape, I was shaking. I was like, how did my life get here? Because this is fucking awesome. And Kev- yeah, Kevin is been awesome. Like, Whoa. Oh, like, my mind is blown. Well, you're currently wearing a Michelangelo tee, and I'm wearing a Shredder hat. Yeah. So, and I've got some pretty awesome Michael Bay stories from the set of Ninja Turtles that were told to me that I will so not, do I. I will not share on Geekscape, but I love you, and they're the thing of professional nightmares. Uh, <laughs> well, I worked on Iron Man three for like uh-huh. two weeks, and that was in Miami. So the same crew worked with Michael Bay. So on, your, your um, friends from Iron Man three were pain telling and gain. You, on, they pain had and gain, many yeah. many stories. Uh, Geekscape is. I love you. We love you. Um, you can find us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, El Face, uh, <laughs> whatever you want. Just search for Geekscape. Uh, Geekscape is our page on uh, Facebook. That's where we re- release things like our articles and uh, the podcast and stuff. But you know what? You want the real stuff? You want to mainline it? Look for the Geekscape group. Ask for an invitation. I will for sure approve you and be part of the conversation. We like to talk about movies. I'm currently in the middle of Jessica Jones. Season two, As I'll be, yeah, and, and I'm loving it so far. I'm enjoying it more than season one even. I know, call me crazy, but join the Geekscape Forever group and call me crazy. I'll be sitting down later this week with Ian Kerner to go through our very spoilerific review podcast for specifically Jessica Jones season two. So look for that. And you can see Jenny at JennyLorenzo.com. That's yep. like a hub for everything, huh? Well, that's a... Uh- yeah, JennyLorenzo.com. Because that's where you, that's where we're going to see like your your shows and your appearances and stuff, right? Everything is there. Every single. I try to keep keep it up to date. El todito. Todo. It's all there <laughs> for you to see. Uh, Geekscape, again, we love you. Geekscape forever. Thank you, Jenny, for coming in. Thank you for having me.